Welcome to the Broad Story Project. In these times of COVID-19, the world is a crazy jungle of contradictions. One place Broad's instinctively turn to for solace is our memories, stories from our pasts that have shaped us and remain part of us, defining what we value and what gives us joy. Suez Jacobson leads this project. She is a writer, the executive producer of the film Wild Hope, and serves on the Broad's board of directors. Hi, I'm Suez Jacobson, and we're very lucky today to have with us Penny Culpin. So Penny, tell us just a little bit about yourself. Uh, I live here in Bozeman, Montana. I've lived in Bozeman for 21 years and grew up in Billings, which is just two hours east. Uh, so I feel pretty lucky to be relatively close to nature. And I've worked in the software industry. I'd worked in a manufacturing environment before then. And the last couple of years, I've been looking to move into a speaking business, um, getting into writing about a severe breakdown that I endured years ago. Penny explained how she got involved with broads. There was a function at one of the parks a couple of years ago. I think it was probably about 2017. And a Facebook friend of mine was visiting from Billings, and we got to meet up and and I got to learn more about it. And frankly, for me, anything that promotes conservation, a kind of a balance of our human impact on the world with the natural resources and the, and the natural enjoyment that we can gain from wilderness and, and wildlife is important to me. So this podcast project really started with the idea that in these times, these challenging times, that broad and certainly not just rods, but rods in particular turn to memories of landscapes of being in nature for solace. So we're looking for those stories. What what story do you have for us, Penny? Well, it, it was actually difficult to narrow down because I, I do get out and, and drive quite a bit. Um, because of the location in Bozeman, I can get down to the Tetons, Yellowstone, Glacier. My favorite region is the Banff, Kananaskis area in Alberta. And so a couple of memories that I have from the Kananaskis region, which a lot of people don't really even realize um, how magnificent it is because it, it's a series of provincial parks outside of Banff National Park. And a lot of people think that, oh, it's just a provincial park. But it's still part of the Canadian Rockies, um, so rugged, so wonderful. I, On two different occasions, two different trips, I get up to Banff at least once a year sometimes twice, and I usually drive, which often takes me through the, the, the Cape country, as they call it. And one morning, I'd camp just outside of Kananaskis and got up about 6 in the morning, packed up, and then was driving on to Banff. And so at that time in the morning, it was probably about 6.37 as I was driving along the, the highway, pretty much had it all to myself. The valleys are, are deep enough that the sun hadn't hit you know, most of the valley yet. So it's still a little bit dark, but I had made some chocolate chip huckleberry muffins for the trip. And so I just pulled off along the side of the road, had this beautiful valley in front of me, a carpet of trees, you know, that from that distance, it just looked like this carpet across the whole mountain range. And then those mountains have, it has the exposed rock above tree line. So there's that rugged element. And then there's a lake off to the left. Every now and then a bird would fly through. I just pulled off to the side of the road and just ate my breakfast there and had a fabulous, fabulous morning. 
just drinking in that energy. I really believe that everything emits energy. And when, when I was in that box by myself, just becoming one with it was just a magnificent experience. Uh, a few years later, I was driving along that same section. It was on a different road, heading in a different direction, but it was that same valley. And just as I was thinking about all these different memories that I have from that region, um, I had a CD in the car, looking through the windshield, looking out through, you know, seeing this, this fabulous scene in front of me. And I actually got tears in my eyes, which surprised me because I don't usually respond to nature that way. And I thought, wow, are you a sap? <laughs> but, but it just, there was something about that combination. It was a little bit later in the morning, probably about 11 in the morning, but it was still very cool, but very quiet, very little traffic. And there was just some kind of magic connection between the mood set by the music and then the scene before me that just grabbed hold of my soul. That stretch of uh, Highway 40 that goes through Kananaskis country is one of many, you know, many cherished places for me, but that one stood out. Yeah. Wow, you did a great job of taking me right there and really feeling that. I know every time I drive I-70 and I come up over the hill right before Evergreen and the mountains appear, I get soaked up every time. Easier sap, I guess, than you <laughs> Well, it, and it's funny how that happens, that it's not like I'd never been there before. You know, I mean, I knew how magnificent it was, and yet to experience that, it, it's magic. That's, all, that's what I chalk it up to, is this magical combination. What do you think these deep experiences tell us about what what we value versus what society often tells us is valuable? I think there's so much that depending on the stimuli we receive even growing up. Um, I was born in Minnesota in the Twin Cities area. My family moved to Montana when I was nine. And, you know, my dad worked for the railroad, but each year we would go out, you know, on, va- on a vacation to, you know, either national parks or someplace that had the more rugged wilderness. And so I grew up with that. And for me, the idea of like vacationing in a city <laughs> just doesn't cut it. You know, I, I don't mind visiting cities, but I don't consider that a vacation, a recharging opportunity. And I'd like to think that we can move more in the direction of finding that balance with natural resources and the impact, the positive impact that it has on us as natural beings. You know, this collision of what is kind of the man-made world versus the natural world. I'd like to think we could bring better balance to that. That really strikes home with me because I don't like traveling in cities either, but I know that every time I've been to New York City, the first place I go and never want to leave is Central Park. I can't say I've ever been to Central Park. Um, you know, I look at something like that and I and I think, wow, how thankful that city should be to have something like that. Because for me, getting into the big cities, I, I just feel squashed. And I tend to be a little bit sensitive to energies anyway. And so I just feel that kind of frenzy. And I don't find it very healthy for me. So, you know, I think it is important for these urban areas to have you know, not just a tree here and there, but actually have the more kind of regional parks or 
places that people can tap into. So true. I know I live in Denver, right in the heart of Denver and a part where houses are pretty close together. And but up the street, half a mile away is Washington Park, where right. I go every day and it, it saves me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, these tough times, what kind of advice do you have to other broads and bros and friends who are struggling? What, how, how do we get past that? Do you have any advice? <sighs> Boy, that's a, that's a tough one. Since I live alone, um, I'm kind of socially isolated anyway. <laughs> and so maybe I'm a little more immune to the shock of what a number of people have experienced through this. I do find, uh, I also live pretty close to a park. I do find the opportunity to get out. And that's like, you know, going for a walk. I walk my neighbor's dog. And just being able to go for a walk, I don't have to put a mask on. You know, the requirements in Montana here um, are more for internal situations, you know, in a store or, or mall or something like that. So there's some semblance of, I guess you'd call it normalcy, or some semblance of how it used to be by being able to get out and uh, get into nature a little bit. But other than that, I can't say I have a whole lot of, of advice just because there's so many variables. You know, how to, how to manage this when you have children, family, you know, other demands, uh, so much Zoom time or, you know, being online. It's definitely a, an adjustment or a fairly jarring one when you think of how long this has gone on. True. Yeah, I think many of us in early March thought it would be over by certainly June. Yeah, I was expecting June, July. And and that's where, with as much as I love Canada, this will actually be the first time in probably 20 years that I don't get to Canada in a calendar year. So for me, you know, like I say, thankfully I live close enough to Yellowstone and, and the Tetons. And then, of course, I do have those memories that I know that those mountains will all still be there as we get through this. You know, that they'll be they'll be greeting me <laughs> if I get up there. That's just how, how how I like to think of it. And we know the mountains will still be there, even though maybe charred after the smoke clears here in Denver. True. Coming back to Yellowstone, I mean, I was finishing up college when Yellowstone burned in 88. Um, you do see the, the trees returning, the restoration of it, the kind of that power of nature to triumph. And that's where I'd like to think that we can help ensure that nature maintains a strong, uh, large role in who we are as humanity. It will come back no matter what. You know, that so many of us think that three to five years, that's such a long time. Well, it depends on what angle you look at from this this time element. You know, what, uh, 32 years since Yellowstone burned. And that was significant. And nature will, will triumph. We see that resilience, and it certainly helps us to be resilient. Well, mm-hmm. I think you've put a destination on a list, at least for me. I want to go see this place you've described. What I recommend is if you drive, follow the eastern front of the Rockies. And uh, the natives used to call that the backbone of the world because of all the bumps. And just follow that up. Take Highway 40 from Longview, and you'll have a beautiful drive. Thank you so much, Penny. You've been an inspiration. 
All right. Well, you have a wonderful day, and thank you for the opportunity to share. Thank you. Take care. Okay, you as well. Bye. Don't miss the next episode of the Broad Story Project. You'll find links to other stories on our website under News, 